Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work. Hello and welcome to show number 412 from Engage for Success Radio. Engage for Success is a not-for-profit movement and we're the UK's leading voice on the topic of employee engagement. We're raising awareness and running events through our area networks around the country and our topic and sector-specific thought and action groups. We're developing research, publishing case studies and shining a light on great practice. Do visit us at engageforsuccess.org to learn more and you can also there sign up for our weekly newsletter. I'm Jo Moffat. I'm a volunteer for Engage for Success and one of the regular co-hosts. I'm also managing director and founder of Woodread. Woodread is a specialist creative agency where we use the tools, the techniques and the insight-led approach of the advertising and marketing world to help our clients create great places to work, high-performing cultures of engaged employees. And serendipitously, that leads us beautifully into the topic of today's show, which is what really makes a great place to work and to explore that topic i'm delighted to welcome today's special guest david blackburn who is chief people officer at the financial services compensation scheme and uh, welcome to the show david it's great to have you with us it's lovely to be here joe well, well, thank you. We last met at one of the flagship industry events um, probably about a year ago now uh, where, we, where I heard your story and I knew that it was something that I thought our listeners to the radio show would, would like to hear too. Um, and really in the, in the time since then, I mean, you've been garnering awards right, left and centre for what you've <laughs> been doing, uh, which is brilliant. Um, so, so definitely qualified to talk about the topic and, and certainly um, from, our, from our listeners' perspective, perspective, I'd just introduce you a little bit because you are also um, a highly awarded HR professional um, and you were, I believe, uh, at the start of this year, you were made a chartered companion of the Chartered Institute of Personnel and Development. So congratulations to that on that, David. Um, Thank you. Look at it, 20 years leadership experience in HR and uh, as I say, you're currently Chief People Officer at the FSCS and I'd like to hear a little bit more about what that is um, in a moment. Um, but you've, you've been not only in the public uh, sector and not-for-profit sectors, you've worked in the private sector as well. Um, graduate of the University of Aberdeen, London Business School, fellow of the RSA, um, the Institute of Leadership and Management, and a member of the Guild of HR Professionals. So um, lots of qualifications for today's topic. So I'm delighted that you've been able to uh, uh, find time to, to be on the show with us today. Um, but Thank before you. we get into the specifics, um, what's the last 20 months been like for you? What, you know, can you, can you summarise what you think the impact of the last 20 months has been? Uh, yes, I'll, I'll try. So from, I think, two perspectives. I think one, uh, our organisational perspective, and I'll say a little bit more about the, the financial services compensation scheme specifically. But I think mm-hmm. as, an H, as an HR professional, um, the, the, the massive change that we have seen in the world of work in the last 18 to 20 months, and whilst absolutely the, the pandemic has been a, a terrible thing, uh, in human terms for us to have to deal with. It's also been a massive accelerator of change uh, mm-hmm. and, and some really positive change. So I, I think I'd pull out 
five big themes of the last 20 months. So I think the first and most obvious is uh, flexible, hybrid, smarter working, whatever um, name mm -hmm. you want to you want to give it. Um, mm -hmm. Every piece of research uh, shows that that's really what employees want. They absolutely want a a blended mix of working from home and the office and other locations. I think mm -hmm. secondly, with in that, uh, they want uh, the end of the nine to five. I think people don't just want greater flexibility in location. They want greater flexibility in their working day. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that in order to uh, make all of that successful, I think that's a really big leadership challenge. And I think what we see is um, this real urgency or, or need for greater emotional intelligence in our leadership populations. We've all seen uh, into each other's lives in a way that we hadn't before. And I think yeah. so when, when line managers now say, uh, you know, when we say those things, you know, how are you? That's a different conversation today than it was 20 months ago. Um, Isn't it? Isn't it? Absolutely. You're absolutely right. I mean, we can still use the same words, but there's just so much more depth of meaning, isn't there, in it now? It's how are you? It's not just a sort of automated response, almost on autopilot. It's no, how are you really? It's yes. what you're really wanting to know, isn't it? And I think, and I think, you know, that's just as I think that's a massively, I think that's really powerful, and I think that yeah. also, I think that's really positive. And my last two points, I think, absolutely, people, that requires upskilling. So I don't think it's not, it's not just upskilling on learning new platforms. We all have to become Zoom and Teams experts in the last, yeah. in the last eighteen months. And look, but I think it's also, it's, it is also about, you know, behavioural skills. I mean, how, how do yeah. you manage remote teams or teams, you know, that are when half your people are in the office and half the people aren't. And lastly, I think, you know, the biggest thing, and uh, which I'm, I have to say I'm genuinely pleased about, because it's something that I've talked passionately about for uh, seven, eight years, is you need high trust cultures to make all of this stuff work. And uh, so I think that, so I think that's a massively positive thing. I think that now organisations talking about trust and why it's important in the culture, I think is a really good thing. So, um, yeah, yeah. I, I, so I love those those themes. I think they're. I think you're absolutely right. You've, you've got. You've hit the nail on the head. I mean, those are those are absolutely the things that um, that we're seeing, aren't we? And uh, if we get those. Is, is it that if we get those things right? Then we're really going to uh, make a great place to work. I mean, is that your is that your sort of premise? Do you think? So I, th I think, um, Joe. I if if I get if I ever find the time in between all the things I do um, to sit down and write a book, which I'd, I'd quite <laughs> like to do, I'd, which I'd quite like to do at some point. Um, I've, I've probably already trailed uh, the title so many times because I think there were three three things: engage, listen, act is what I say mm -hmm. to people when mm -hmm. they ask my advice. So I think you absolutely need to engage with your population, with your employees. Mm -hmm. So often what I see is that either organizations do one of these things or they do two of them, but they don't do all three of them. So they might act based on absolutely no data whatsoever. They sit in a boardroom <laughs> and they go, I think we should do this. 
Or, seems like a good idea. That's, that's seems like a good plan. idea. Yeah. Let's let's do that. They say, or they or they engage, and then they do absolutely nothing with the data. They get they get asked all these questions. They do nothing uh, with it, or they uh, engage and they listen to the feedback, but they don't do anything with it, or they. Uh, you know, they, they act without, as I say, based on nothing. And I just think it's the, it's, it's the importance of the, doing those three things. Mm. Ask your people, you know, ask the right questions. You know, get under the skin of what's going on in your organization. Listen to the feedback and use that to shape the strategy, your employee experience strategy. And I think so, you know, if I've learned anything, it's it's that, and that's not always about um, agreeing with everything. It's not simply mm-hmm. that you say, oh, everybody wants to do X, Y, and Z, and, and, we, and we say, oh, that's fine, we just do it. It's actually yes. about using the data to say, I think because you've engaged in a conversation, I think when you explain the rationale, I'm, I'm going to give you a, a real life example about our journey of the last uh, 20 months. So, mm-hmm. You know, we asked uh, people, you know, when we start returning to the office, uh, how many days of work, how many days a week do you think you're going to be? How much time do you see uh, spending spending in the office? Now, we looked at that data and some people said, um, why can't we work from home permanently? Now, we'd made a decision. We'd made a cultural corporate decision that said, we believe the office has a really important part to play in uh, engaging our employees and in their experience. We believe that the office is a place for collaboration, for creativity, for connection, for celebration. You can see we want to see, we want a bit of a role, alliterative role there when we came up with all those, <laughs> those yeah. words. But it's, so not, it's said, so useful that they do all begin with that. It is. It? I know. I'm, 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 a, I'm dreadful at that, Joe. I mean, once we I start doing anything... Conven- it's, it's convenient, David. It's convenient. <laughs> so we... And, and I think... So actually going back to people and saying no. So we didn't say, yeah, that's absolutely fine. We said, mm. no, thank you for... You know, you've raised that. We genuinely believe that the office has a place. And actually, when we look at the data... You know, on average, we didn't want to be so prescriptive as saying a number of days. And what we ended up with, which is what we call our 40-40 rule, so 40% of our people in the office on average 40% of the time, Uh, which means means it can be two days out of five, but it could also be three days out of a nine-day fortnight, or it could be, uh, you know, seven days out of the entire month. So actually what we said back again I think to my earlier point about people wanting greater flexibility we said you know actually we want you with your teams to work out what you think works for you and that approach um, which we call your day your way so work where you want work when you want where what you want uh, yes. to uh, you know dress for your day um, mm. you know I'm pleased to say um, achieved highly commended in the recent CIPD People Management Awards and uh, last week was shortlisted for Best Flexible Working Initiative in the HR Excellence Awards. So, Fabulous. Fabulous. But the reason, but you know, back to this thing about, you know, I think what makes a great place to work, it's because mm. we, it's the listening part, you know, so we yeah. said right at the start, our strategy is shaped, will be shaped by you. 
and I think that is the thing that you know has most impacted uh, our engagement in the organisation. Yeah, I, I love what you're saying there. It's re- it's really powerful, and I think it's it's interesting though, isn't it? Because what would you, what I think what sometimes people misunderstand when we talk as a profession about employee voice and listening to our people people misunderstand that and they take it to the extreme and they say that means that we just do what do what the workforce (laughs) tell us and and it isn't what's the job of management what's the job of leadership if all we're going to do is is ask the 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 employees to come up with the answers isn't it leadership's job to have the answers and it's that's such a misunderstanding isn't it 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 really is and i think um uh, if I tell you, when I've been at the, uh, the financial services compensation scheme since 2013, and when I um, first joined, uh, I'd been there about six months, and I was uh, went in front of the board, uh, and the board said, you know, what are you going to do, David? What are you going to do, David? You know, uh, what's the what are the people solutions? And I'd done this very long presentation, and a board member said to me, "I, I haven't got time to read the 28 pages that uh, you put in front of us. You know, if there were two things, what are the two things that you think um, we need to focus on?" And I said, "Actually, that's a really good question. The two things are uh, strategy and leadership, because mm-hmm. firstly, you're right. It, it is one thing to help." Uh, to use your employee voice, to engage with your employee voice, to use them to develop, shape, inform your strategy, but it's not their job to come up with a strategy. That is the leadership's job. The leadership's job is to set the direction for the organization and then to communicate it in such a way that it gets people excited about it. You know, and I just think that you know, it's, it's, that's really so important. And I think so often uh, what, uh, you know, another um, example from our organizational journey was that I remember the CEO saying to me, uh, you know, several years ago, I don't understand, David, why people aren't connected to the values. They don't, they don't seem to be connected to the values. And, and Joe, you won't be um, surprised to know when I found out that the values had been created by a major consultancy firm, I won't name, and stuck on some mugs. Um, yeah. Without, well, without course, that's any, all you have to do, isn't it? That's, that's, all, that's all you have to do. <laughs> without, without any involvement. And I sort of went, um, I think this might explain why yeah. no one is connected oh, to them because they've not been yeah. they've not been developed they've not been developed yeah. by engaging they you cannot say they are the organization's values unless you have developed them with your organization mm. Mm. but it's true though isn't it that that listening to your people does that does not mean just doing what they say but and equally when you listen to your people you then do owe them as you've already said you owe them the respect of responding to their input and and also telling them if you if you are going to say no or if you are going to say well actually that's not the way we're going to do it give them the um respect of a reasonably argued and um good deal of of rationale for your decision making absolutely right i you know i it is not always um, you know, leadership is not a popularity contest. And uh, today, um, you know, we are, I'm, I'm, I'm in a fortunate position to be talking to you today, having, you know, with a, with a, in an organization that has, you know, has taken some tough 
people's decisions in mm. in the time you know to get to the place where we are now you know has i haven't always you know it hasn't all been popular <laughs> I must, no no I must, exactly you know, it hasn't all been popular and i think that the the you know culturally the organization was very inward looking and thought that all of the answers lay inside. And so when you came, people came from outside, as I did, and said, oh, I think maybe if you looked outside, you'd see that there was lots of other best practice from other sectors or other organizations. And and I know, and, and you know, this is one of the things I feel, um, you know, a great place to work is a great place to work, irrespective of size or sector or location, because the core print, the core principles are exactly the same. And I was, and I was, you know, and a lot of people, um, you know, said to me, well, that's never going to work here, David, that won't work here, you know, the FSS is unique, that was the thing I was most on, we're very unique, David, it's, it won't work, yeah. and um, and I was like, well, no, it, it will, I, I, I believe that, because, I, as you said in the, the intro, you know, I've worked in lots of different sectors, and I've worked in lots of different environments, from manufacturing to IT to retail, this stuff genuinely works. Okay, um, I, I, indeed it does. So I'm going to have to stop you there, and and we're going to we have it, we've had this lovely long introduction, and it's been really really rich, and I'm I've, I'm thoroughly enjoying it. So I didn't want to I didn't want to sort of stop, but but let's talk a little bit more specifically then. If you could you just very briefly um, explain who the who the who the FSCS are? What, what, yeah. What's the kind of numbers involved in terms of people, locations, that kind of thing? Just a quick snapshot, and then. Um, I'd really love you to share with us a bit more. You've already touched on some of the things about the journey you've been on, but a little bit more about that. So first of all, a little snapshot of who, who the FSCS are. So I'll do a very short FSCS potted history for you. So uh, the FSCS was founded in 2001, and it was created out of eight existing compensation schemes. So the FSCS protects all regulated financial products in the UK and we are unique internationally for the scope of the protection that we provide so we don't just protect savings in banks and building societies we protect general insurance we protect investments we protect debt management advice the list goes on and since our launch in 2001 we have paid out billions in compensation and helped millions of customers get back on track. We're based in the city of London. We have one uh, UK uh, location. We're about Mm -hmm. 250 employees. Um, But today um, we are, uh, whilst our head office is in London uh, in the last 15, uh, 20 months, um, Mm -hmm. we've got people, colleagues working from all over the UK. So my team mm. alone, uh, our people and inclusion manager basis is based in Liverpool. She's in the office mm-hmm. today because she does mm-hmm. alternate weeks in the office. Our head of employee mm-hmm. experience is based in the South Coast. And Laura Powell, who you know, who basically runs my mm-hmm. life, Joe, um, mm-hmm. is based very in Nor- efficiently. Is based, very efficiently. It's based in uh, Norfolk. So, um yeah. So that's right. So, so basically, you've gone from one one office to two hundred and fifty potentially. Yes. Or work yeah. or workplace workplace. Or workplaces. Yeah. Mm, mm. Excellent. Okay. So, so tell us then. Tell us a little bit about your this journey you've been on, and and I think because we are very much talking about why this you know that this does work. Um, if you've got any sort of 
scintillating stats to prove it that you could share that would be great and um, that have helped to win some awards but just tell us a little bit about the journey that you've been on I think uh, it was it's such a good it's such a good question and I thought to myself if I was going to do um and I know listeners always want to take away you know practical things uh mm. that, you know you could do where where do you um start and i've shared some of that you know already you know i think you know mm-hmm. engaging and listening to people listening. i think yeah. i think it's listening and i think that um you know also really getting under the skin of um you know your with your leaders you know with your line managers with the middle management with the people and a question you know i love to ask um, is how easy two two key questions for listeners to take away. You know, how easy or not is it to get things done? Because that tells you a huge amount about an organization's culture. And uh, I used to ask managers all the time, you know, because my sense was it was really difficult to get things done. It was difficult mm-hmm. to make decisions. It was difficult to change processes. It was difficult. The culture was overly consultative. And that leads me on to my sort of second question, um, which is, you know, if you, when you think about your culture, in your organization, what things are enablers? The two questions are sort of interlinked. What things, mm. so what things are enablers? What are the things that you, you think, are absolutely, this is something that we should celebrate and really resonate? And what are the things that are blockers? Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think that very often, you know, a bit like we were saying about trust, Joe, culture has become, you know, is, is, you know, in the top three things that all CEOs think about, according to the latest Gartner research. Now, 10 years ago, people didn't even know what culture was in a lot of organizations. No. I mean, they didn't. And I just think that so and but I equally a bit like the, the, the conversation that we've just been having about employee voice. You know, you get a lot of CEOs who will you know, bound into the room and say, you know what we need? We need a culture change program or we need a culture mm-hmm. change initiative. Please, listeners, that's the one thing you don't need. You definitely don't need. The thing you do need absolutely to do is define what you want the culture to be. And I've, and that is where I think so many organizations struggle is that they don't say, and that's why I think it's a really good play, a starting point, is when you look at the organization as it is today, you would say, so I'll, I'll give you a real example. So at the FSCS, the one, and yes, Joe, the one, there was only one, <laughs> the one, the one really good thing that we had that was an enabler was the connection, the, or our people's connection to the social purpose. They really believe in what the FSCS is there to do. Everything right. else, everything else was a blocker. So I said, oh, dear God, that, that's a really long list. So actually, what we need to do, what, why, what's happening here? I'll tell you what's happening is that we're not actually getting people engaged. We're not leveraging this amazing connection to the social purpose. So people are proud to work for the organization, but they're not excited about where the organization is going. And so that links back to my earlier point about you've got to have a really clear strategy that says this is where we're going and you want to get your people connected to it. Now, I promised you some statistics. So from our most recent people survey in May of this year, uh, uh, with a 93% response rate to the survey, so Mm -hmm. you can pretty much say it's pretty good data, 91% of... 
91% of our colleagues believe we're a caring and inclusive employer. 87% of people say our culture is a positive and healthy one. 87% feel comfortable being themselves at work. 91% are proud to work for the FSCS. And our NPS score, I would recommend the FSCS as a great place to work, is 67. And it went up 11 points in the last 12 months. Goodness. And 90% of, of our colleagues say, I know how I personally contribute to the scheme's success. Gosh, that's fabulous. I mean, that is really powerful data, isn't it? I, I, we, we, yeah, I mean, you know, you can't, you can't argue with that. Fascinating. And I, I was going to ask you if there's been a change over the last, um, the last year, but you, you know, you've answered that for me. So, and do you, you put that down, do you, to um, the way in which you have approached the return, in inverted commas, um, you know, the return to the sort of what the workplace, or they were thinking about what the workplace will, will look like, the way in which you approach the 40-40 the rule, the your day, your way response. Uh, Joe, I mean, yes. I mean I, I, I mean, I think there's lots of factors, but I think absolutely the most, it's the most central uh, aspect. And I think yeah. what's also interesting is that we've really given, you know, when we uh, cast your minds back to last year, you know, we the first lockdown ended and before the second lockdown, you know, we had that sort of false start, didn't we? You know, we mm -hmm. had like two weeks where we're being told mm -hmm. to get back to the office. And so we mm -hmm. trialed it. You know, we tried it and then it all got put on pause. And so right. actually when, so actually in April of this year, we said, we planned a whole timetable. We stood up in April and said, this is the plan. We're not changing uh, the approach. The ideas that we trialed in those two weeks before we went into lockdown mm -hmm. are the same. We'd answered so many questions. Joe, so we had a, a, a smarter working hub on mm -hmm. our SharePoint site. So mm -hmm. we'd answered every single question, FAQ, that anybody had raised. And we sort of said, so people had got a, and we said in September, we're going to see what happens in, you know, we know what the government's plan is. We're going to wait mm -hmm. and see how that timetable pans out. But as if nothing changes in September, we will reopen the office five days a week. Uh, we have a team rotor tool. We've given teams and line managers absolutely the authority to manage, mm -hmm. to make it work for their team. We said, we don't want a set of edicts and thingy. What we want is a framework in which we trust you as adults to operate. And, uh, and I think that, and I just think, I think because equally, so none of it was new. So by the time we started mm -hmm. doing it, you know, and since then, you know, in the last uh, months, we've had, you know, hybrid meetings where we've had 80 people in the building, uh, for a people briefing and 80 people dialing in, you know, watching it live on Teams. You know, we've mm. had, you know, we've had, we've had, you know, we've got teams now who are doing, you know, their huddles all, all in a hybrid way, in a smarter way. Mm -hmm. So some people mm -hmm. in the office, we've changed the layout of our office, we've done a whole load of things to enable the environment to make it a success. But I absolutely so think, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so, so you're almost, you, you are, you, you kind of, taken the initiative you've got yourself planned you've worked out what you're going to do almost you're ahead of the game really in the sense that 
in the last week or so, there's, you know, rumblings of press coverage of get the workers back to the office, you know, that sort of get the shirkers back to the office, uh, <laughs> I paraphrase. Um, yeah. But you're, you're basically, you don't need to do that. You've already got your plan. You've put your plan in place. And you're, we know that your people are highly engaged as a result of how you've gone about doing that. Have you got any sense of um, what your customers or the you know your, the, the people that you serve, uh, the citizens that you serve through your services, or um, anything around sort of the extent to which you feel collaboration and productivity is 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 being impacted by working differently? Oh, Joe, I knew you were going to ask me a killer question to close uh, as we get near the close. Uh, ab- absolutely. So um, our productivity uh, has improved uh, is, is actually what we've seen. And in June of this year, we achieved 89% customer experience, which is the highest ever since we started measuring it and we started measuring it back in 2011 Um, and that's against a backdrop of very very high claims volume so we're processing more claims so our productivity is up it's driven an increase in our customer satisfaction Um, so there is an absolute direct correlation and and really briefly I just want to say that whole get back to the office get back to work. We've all been working and being productive for the last 20 months. And oh, so why, oh, what, haven't we just? And so I just, mm. it's crazy. Uh, mm. Don't, mm. don't do it. Find, no. a, find, find, a, find a smarter way to work with your people and they will reward you with their engagement. And that's going to drive up your customer experience. David, that is the best closing line I've had in a very long time. Um, So I will have to close now because we're just about to run out of time. But I think that has been a masterclass in how to do this properly. um, And I will be promoting it as such. And I would very much like to invite you to our next Engage for Success event, which is in February. Um, which is around the, the correlation between employee experience and customer experience. Oh, my God, um, Joe, I'm there. Excellent. I'll, we'll pick that up offline. Um, uh, but thank you very much to our special guest, David Blackburn, Chief People Officer at the Financial Services Compensation Scheme, a real masterclass in how to make a great place to work. Um, some fab- fabulous data, evidence, and um, an insight there. So thank you, David, and thank you for listening to Engage for Success Radio. We'll see you at the same time next week. And don't forget, you can download or stream any of the great shows from our archive at any time. Thank you and goodbye. Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work.